BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Take Cast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter, at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I am joined by our friend Kevin Cole from the Unexpected Point Substack to talk about NFL free agency, Aaron Rodgers probably moving from the Green Bay Packers to the New York Jets, and, of course, devolving into some uh, economic Silicon Valley Bank economic collapse, political whatnot, social media rotting our brains discussion at the end. Always enjoy talking to Kevin. Hope that you guys find this show entertaining, useful, helpful, whatever you may take out of it. If you enjoy this program, please subscribe to patreon.com slash takecast. You're going to get bonus episodes of this show. Uh, Do weekly shows with Brian Hooper and John Sosa. Uh, We've really been enjoying those, so I hope you'll come and join us over on the Patreon. Uh, You can always tell a friend about the show. That's always very useful and very helpful. Or you can, uh, you know, leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcoming back to the program, Kevin Cole from the Unexpected Points. Get it? Get it? Unexpected Points Substack. Um, we're, we're very happy to have him on the show today because we are through, I guess, 48 hours, basically, of NFL free agency. We, we've gotten some... Major moves. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is, is according to all sources, uh, he's going to be a Jet. He wants to play for the Jets. We'll figure out what the compensation is there. We, uh, I mean, this could be cold take for real fast because I believe Lamar is eligible to start negotiating with non-Ravens teams in an hour. So maybe we should have waited an hour for this, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, you want to yeah, hear man. the crickets? You want to get the official Lamar crickets that are going out there? Like, who's gonna, who's going after Lamar, honestly? Um, I mean, my opinion is that the Atlanta Falcons are are incredibly stupid to not be going after Lamar. Yeah. And yeah. I will be I will honestly be a little bit depressed if this just ends up with him signing a team friendly deal with the Baltimore Ravens. That will be a real bummer of the of of you know the working man, the proletariat, the labor taking an L to big NFL. I, I mean, I don't see quarterbacks as the proletariat, to tell you the truth. And okay, so this is the, okay. We, we we were joking before we got on here about my anti woke take. So this, I I I, I got to lean into it. So then this would be one of my things, is I'm not anti um, guaranteed money for any reason, but I'm not really like pro guaranteed money either. And I guess my point would be, we're talking about quarterbacks here anyway, where. 
you know, they're getting 90, paid 90% of the time, a quarterback is going to get whatever contract they're signed to, even if it's not guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just don't think people are really making this argument that we're going to like help out the, the, the man um, or, or by, you know, sticking it to him, making him give guaranteed contracts to quarterbacks. I don't think it matters that much. And number two is, and this is what I try to impress upon people when it comes to all these different conversations about it, like, Oh, you're arguing players shouldn't get paid. It is a hard salary cap. Now, money can be shifted around from year to year. The contracts are fake, right? The contracts are fake. Guys can, there's no guarantees. So players can be let go. But like, if you have more guarantees and you you, you as an NBA fan can see this, all you're going to have is more guys who suck, who getting, are getting just going to be eating up money, cap. They're going to be eating up cap and they're not going to be played to actual productive players. So like, is that a better, more just situation if you have- well, like well, Baker Kevin. Mayfield getting signed to a fully guaranteed contract and then being a backup somewhere, making a guaranteed $40 million a year because he fell off a cliff and then other players not getting that money. That doesn't sound any more just to me. Well, if you want to zoom out and say what would make the NFL a better entertainment product with more trades, more picks attached. I mean, the, the NBA is basically made a cottage industry. There's a whole industry that exists in which, uh, like I pay for this, uh, Nate, Nate Duncan, um, and Danny Lerou's excellent podcast, Dunked On. Seth Partnow works for them as well. Um, I mean, there I, I pay sixteen dollars a month to hear fucking nerds talk about you know how much money, how much I money. Up my prices. It might it might not be sixteen dollars a month anymore. Okay. I feel like maybe they changed it. But the the point is, there's this whole industry of understanding the NBA CBA and analyzing transactions, and and part of what I'm paying for it. Now I uh, am not a virgin, so I don't log on to this that much. But they're, they they have NBA, every NBA team salary cap sheet to the the to the tenth of a cent, right? And it's perfect, and it's like people like to have access to that. And there's not as much demand for that because one, the large fan base of the NFL is a little bit more casual, and two, salary cap not being real is kind of you know it's just kind of a take that's out there, and either people don't care that much, but if you make it more stringent and I mean, I don't think this is ever going to happen. Like I don't think your long snappers ever getting guaranteed money or whatever, but it would create an environment in which there were far, there was far more player movement, far more trades and, and, you know, the Brock Osweiler deal, well, you have to attach a, a pick to bad salary to get it off your books or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There'd be more salary dumping. I mean, so there's a couple of different things I think, and I, I'm not an expert on NBA cap. So uh, you correct me if I'm wrong about any of these things, but okay. So you have a soft cap as opposed to a hard cap. So that's adds its complications Two, when trades are made, the money has to align. Whereas NFL doesn't correct. give a fuck if, if the money correct. aligns for, for anything there. Number three, just the way that NFL contracts are structured, I believe either there's more signing bonus proportionally as part of these contracts, maybe because they don't have the back end guaranteed, like in these NBA deals, which causes the amortization of these signing bonuses, which causes these massive dead money hits, which teams are becoming more comfortable with now. But in the past, that kind of sunk cost would also sink trades. And the, the biggest thing, though, if we're talking about blockbuster trades happening or not happening, is the franchise tag. Like, get rid of the franchise tag. Then we can see this stuff where... You can talk yourself out of town a full year before your contract's over because you forced the hand. Like if, if, if there was no franchise tag, it would have been last summer that it would have been do or die for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And the Ravens would have been forced to trade him at that point in time 
rather than wait till this summer and get nothing in return for him. So the franchise tag is huge as far as allowing player movement. Um. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the the can you can you think of anything more anti-labor than the franchise tag? I can't. I can't really. Yeah. I mean, they need to just restrict it to quarterbacks. That was kind of the point. Although I do see, um, and again, I, I, God, I'm, I just like not even purposefully leaning into my anti-woke take so I can uh, I can build up the Substack here. But I do think there is something nice about the quarterback, at least, who is basically the franchise. If you have a good quarterback staying for a while and you know not skipping town like there is a continuity i think is good and this is an nba fan where i'm not as into it as i used to be but i used to be a lakers fan i'm from southern california everyone okay i'm not like one of these lakers fans forever a lakers fan i mean there is something different and you the warriors saw it with steph and kevin durant there is something different about being the homegrown player versus being looking up and seeing LeBron and Anthony Davis and whoever it's like, who are these guys? You know, it, it's kind it, it, it doesn't hit the same way. I do think versus a guy you drafted. So I don't, I don't think that that is anti woke. In fact, I think probably most NFL fans would, would go along with that. I think, well, you would, can say I it's anti-player would... empowerment at least. Right. But there, just, yeah, there is, but there's just something nice about like, it's like, dude, if, I ever saw Mahomes put on like a fucking <laughs> Miami Dolphins jersey like that would just yeah. be so depressing. Um, and and you know I mean we see this with the NBA like Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard I think is an example of like he is never going to win a championship, has never won a championship, but I think at the end of his career people will appreciate that he never was like all right I don't want to play here anymore. Trade me to whoever. Say Bradley Beal maybe less so because Bradley Beal had like no playoff moments. Damian Lillard at least had a couple. Um, but yeah, I mean, these guys, look, these guys want to, these guys want to make money. They want to win championships. And in some cases, guys have given up some money to go win championships in the NBA. Uh, I don't think, I don't think that's ever happened in the NFL really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think also though, the reason I might be okay though, with the franchise tag being gone is that I think you have more natural leverage as an NFL team to negotiate with someone like a year in advance of them becoming a free agency free agent and then say do you want to play for one year with no guarantee beyond this you could get injured if you're a quarterback maybe it doesn't matter but even a quarterback i think suffers more risk in either a decline in play which can which people will point to like oh maybe they're not as good as we thought they were i mean think of the opinions on some of these quarterbacks whether it's Dak or one of these guys how it goes up and down and up and down so I think there's more risk there and there's more injury risk as opposed to, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, tears his Achilles to shreds and people are still bending over backwards to throw a bag at him. Like, I just don't know if that quite, other than a couple of players in the NFL, it doesn't really apply to a lot of guys. Yes. Yeah. Injury, injury tends to be more limiting of future earnings in football than it does in, in Yeah, there's basketball. just more risk. There's more risk. So I think you can like negotiate a little bit better just naturally in football. So it even makes the franchise tag a little bit less necessary. I think football players also, this is, this is a, this, this is not really an analytical take here. This is just my, uh, my opinion. There's, there's more of a loyalty factor. I don't know. Like if you look at Mahomes contract, you look at even the Josh Allen contract. No, no, I do think I, these I guys think really love true. being part of the team and they kind of are seen as more of this like soldier ish sort of, attitude than a freelancing basketball player necessarily who's been you know who's grown up doing all of his uh 
you know, regional teams, not even really playing in high school on the high school team that much going to college for barely any time at all. Like everything is just kind of a step forward to the next thing in the NBA, where I think the NFL guys can, can kind of sit in and be part of a team and an organization, maybe have a little bit more of that uh, camaraderie there. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think, so I think that's probably true. Um, I mean, uh, a pro labor person would argue that they are, uh, you know, falling into the same trap that you yes. fall into, like when you when you work at a startup or whatever, and they talk about how your family and you should you know work overtime or work unpaid hours or yeah or whatever. Although a little bit different, hard harder to feel for these guys who are making yeah, and then you know, and then interest rates go dollars. up and your ass is out the door, <laughs> quite right. quickly. Right, yeah. exactly. So I wanna I wanna talk about Rogers, and there's a couple okay, different things it. here. So Rogers going to be a quarterback of the Jets. One, just from a pure, uh, what is Rogers thinking perspective? I don't get why any sane quarterback would want to play in the AFC right now. Like, why would why would he not try and figure it out with the Packers? Go to the 49ers. How, how was it? I just don't. I just don't get it. Like the Jets, even with this great defense and Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and all, they they signed all of Rodgers' buddies. Just from a competitive standpoint, they're probably, even with Rodgers, not a favorite to win the division. And they would maybe be underdogs in every playoff game. Underdogs, you know, if you assume, you assume, if you assume the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals get the top three seeds, maybe would even be underdogs. I mean, maybe, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the defense will be so good and Rodgers will be so reinvigorated, but it, it, it seems unlikely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's just one of those things that we are thinking about it a lot more than the players are thinking about it as to, oh, you know, if you're part of the NFC, your your title hopes might be, you know, whatever, might be 17% versus only being 6% if you're in the AFC. I, I think there's more like a threshold that has to be met for these guys. They look at the team, they say, do they have a decent enough defense? Do they have a decent enough weapons around they have a decent enough offensive line can i be successful and then let the chips fall where they may as far as what happens in the playoffs and what happens in the super bowl and you know the big factor here is like wanting to be wanted also and feeling like you deserve it and i mean the guy's a top 10 quarterback of all time you know four-time mvp second most mvps of all time um, he's going to want to be wanted and it seems like green bay i mean green bay just seems to legitimately not want him anymore Yes. Yeah. That does feel, that does feel like a big part of it feels like they're, they're about sick of, of dealing with his shit. So, so my buddy, Andrew Wiggins asked me a question earlier today, which seems sort of self-evident, but I, I actually think it's interesting, which is like, why does everyone hate Aaron Rodgers so much? And I think it's pretty multifaceted. Um, I, I mean, I think the interpersonal stuff for me, honestly, the reason why I hate Aaron Rodgers is because he ran Jeff Janis out of town. That is the that is the origin of me not liking him. But yeah, it stay is loyal loyalty first of all to, to, to Janis. I appreciate that. To go full Ethan Sherwood Strauss here on on this program, I mean, the, you know, like a lot of it is the COVID stuff, right? A lot of the the narrative is is the COVID stuff on him, which. I think a, a rational person could say some of the things he was saying do seem vindicated. Now, some of them do not. Some of the things he was saying. Oh, whoa, we're going, were, we're going lab leak. We're going to get to lab. Not, no, 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 no. I'm not, you're, I'm not, we're not, this is not the fucking joke oh. experience or whatever. Uh, the, the, the vaccination stuff not being as effective yeah. as it was being advertised as. 
But he's allergic too. Somehow they're all some all, some, all some, the some anti some people some... are all are all allergic <laughs> also. You know, right? Not his fault. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the the again, this is actually more Joe Rogany. Uh, and and apologize to long term listeners for going here. I mean, part of it is that all the fucking media members hate him. Part of it is that yeah. every unilaterally every person covering the NFL is like this guy so sick of talking about him so like he's and, and obviously i think interpersonally he's got to be pretty bristly if all of these people are getting sick of him he doesn't have a relationship with his family this organization he's been with for 20 years is ready to trade him for a bag of balls right but yeah. it, it definitely does color it that everyone reporting on the story is like this guy again yeah i mean okay so in my in my normal contrarian sort of way, I, I joke that I'm becoming more pro Aaron Rodgers as some of the stuff is going on just because it's gone a little bit too far. But I would say for the majority of time, I was fairly not anti Aaron Rodgers as a player. I mean, he's 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 great, but there were clear signals. See, I've always been on- I've always been I've I've gone Aaron Rodgers is the greatest ever. He was on that track to yeah, this guy yeah. is so overrated. Oh, well, as a player, I mean, I think he's still there. I think it's just his playing style. Sometimes he 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 gets a little too conservative. We saw it last year and some other stuff. And I've talked about that. But what I thought was unique about him, when you talk about the family stuff, there's some hinting there. There are former like players who he played with and receivers who openly, and this is in the past. This is not like when everyone's been piling on in the last couple of years, but in the past, whether it was Greg Jennings, uh, Jermichael Finley, some other guys who kind of trash them. And you really don't see that. You really do not see quarterbacks get trashed by their former teammates, but there are some players who seem to like them a lot too. So it kind of seems like he probably rubs people the wrong way. It's like the whole Favre thing. It seemed like they liked Favre, most of the locker room guys, and they didn't like him was, was kind of part of the thing here. So there's definitely something about him that rubs people the wrong way. I think it's just come in conjunction with his play starting to fall here and him kind of lashing out at the media a bit here, stoked by by McAfee, I believe also. Like, I think a lot more people should be blaming McAfee for these Aaron, whatever Aaron Rodgers is saying during these things. Like, all these people went, not these people went crazy, but there's a few people who were mad about the fact for Diana Rossini that he said, you know, I didn't have this demand list. And people are like, she didn't say you had a demand list. She said you had a, a wish list or whatever. But if you listen, I listened to the actual broadcast. When McAfee asked him about it, he says, oh, it was reported you had demands. You know, like, like he's framing it in a way to rile up Rogers almost to give these sorts of quotes and then attack the media. But I think half of the media stuff, at least when it comes to the big names, is disingenuous because what the hell else are they going to be talking about? They love this stuff, that they have something to talk about. This is like Schefter's loves tweeting out the fact that Roger said to lose his phone number. This is great, great for, for his brand and for everything else for NFL media. Yes. Yeah. So that is, that is certainly, that is certainly true. I just, I do find, I just, it's, it's, is there, I, did people dislike Favre at the end? I kind of, I kind of Oh, I'm sure he did. He, well, he was even, he was way worse. I mean, if we would have had the same environment back then, he was going into like June uh, maybe I'm going to retire. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like he was going way deep before he would even say he's coming back. So if you think Rogers not getting things done on the first day of free agency, and it sounds like he was even before free agency started, he was willing to make the the choice. People would have been roasting Favre to 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 all degrees for the fact that he wasn't saying anything until June some years. Yeah, that is that is. I mean, and also it is just it's so bizarre 
that clearly Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre hated each other so much. <laughs> and now they're going to be playing for the same two teams. Like that's insane. Yeah, it, it is a bit weird. I mean, I feel good for the Jets. I feel, I feel only feel bad for the Jets because I think something has turned, something has soured a bit for Jets fans in the last week that now that it's finally said and done, if it would have happened without this last week of drama, there would have been more kind of universal happiness about it. But there are going to be a lot of people that are just going to kind of shit on it a little bit more than they would have otherwise here. But it's the thing that gets me about Rodgers, and I get why fans get sick of players. You just have fatigue. You have fatigue. There's too much media. Everything is, will he, will he stay? Will he, won't he stay? I mean, part of it is their problem for being too plugged in. Like, you don't have to pay attention to this stuff, right? You can just go away and not pay attention to this stuff. But I get the fatigue. At the same point in time, like, people – and this has happened, like we were talking about benching Aaron Rodgers last season at some point. People seem to be kind of like glad he's leaving in a way. I and mean, this is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time we're talking about here. I don't know. I mean, as a as an outsider, as a bystander here, I feel like he should be able to do whatever the hell he wants and you should be happy about it as a as a Packers fan. Like you you owe him a lot more than than he owes you, I feel like, in this relationship. I wonder... I, I asked this to people because Packers Twitter came after me yesterday after pointing out that Aaron Rodgers hasn't won anything of substance in a long time. Oh yeah. It's I, been a while. Do you, do you, has it been a fun experience to be rooting for the Packers like the last decade or so? I mean, I guess they've been consistently good. They've won a lot of regular season games. Um, you know, people seem to really love that win that they had against the Rams in 2021, I guess. I don't know. It does it to me. It just, I guess in in the NFL, it's just sort of sad when you see these on uh, when you when these really great players don't become the all time greats. You know, I guess, and I think I mean I think that's true in in every sport, right? Un, unrealized greatness is kind of a bummer, which is why like you know some some neutral fans probably were bummed out when Mahomes lost to the Bengals in the AFC Conference Championship game last year, or lost to Brady in the Super Bowl or whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think happy is probably not the right terminology i think it's it's compelling it's engaging to be good for a very long period of time if you look at fan bases green bay has an enormous engaged fan base and it's it's more engaged than if they would have won two super bowls over this entire period of time with rogers and then been probably a little been trash been trash for three quarters of the time like it, it would be it's more engaged here i mean you're 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 cowboys fan right no you're not, not are you not anymore fan? not anymore okay, not anymore. I left, okay. I left but anyway think about all these cowboys fans they don't win shit right but they're like part of the conversation people are engaged in what's going on that's better whether their fans might tell you like in their heart that they've been hurt more than they've felt joy they're part of it. And so there's something about that, that compelling that draws you in. So I do think that that it definitely checks that box for, for Aaron Rodgers, the fact and what the team has done is it has just as many fans, just as many people interested in what they're doing now um, as there ever has been. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, uh, I think that's fair. Although, and people, people rake me over this Cowboys thing all the time. Cause I was a Cowboys fan for a long time, but I mean, yeah. literally, there, I can't think of an organization that handles their resources so improperly at such a high level. You know, they do so bad at very basic things. And also I was in the city where they drafted Patrick Mahomes. Like I just, as a lover of football, it was very hard to not get. No, I, I think it just hurts more. The equivalent thing hurts more when the Cowboys mismanage 
like when the Cowboys uh, draft Zeke and then give him too much money, it hurts more than if a team that stinks does it because the stakes are higher, right? But yeah. the fact that the stakes are higher is kind of important too, right? The fact that the stakes are higher is is part of the compelling reason for being a fan in the first place. Right. Okay. So let's look at some uh, some NFL draft stuff. Where are you at on uh, on this Bears Panthers trade? Who do you who do you think is the winner? Do you do you, do we do we like what Ryan Poles is doing, where he got a veteran instead of an extra first round pick in the trade? Um, I mean, Carolina's perspective. The, do you do you believe this report that they're willing to trade down to two with the Texans because they like two of the quarterbacks equally? I, I I I mean maybe that that's okay. I'll, maybe I'll get to that one a little bit later. That one doesn't make any sense to me uh, necessarily. But okay, so here's how here's how I view a lot of these things. When a player is being traded away, or when a pick is being traded away, the team that is trading away the player or the pick, I don't necessarily attach a lot of like genius to it that some people want to say like, Oh, Ryan Poles, what, what a, what a, what a great job. I mean, he just has three teams calling him, and he's like, I'll take the best offer. You know, it's not like, it's not rocket science here. You can attach more to the Panthers to say like, did they make a wise decision to do this? I think that's something you can grade more than you grade like Ryan Poles, decision beyond the fact that I was kind of into looking at the quarterback class. Um, you know, I don't, like if Bryce Young was 6'2 and 220 pounds or something like that, I think it would have been a no-brainer to take him number one rather than than trade out of that of that pick. But that would be my only thing when I'm talking about polls is whether it was a good trade or not. Um, that's definitely a big part of it. And the DJ Moore thing, the one thing I I like that angle because it's a premium position, so that's good. Rookies normally aren't good, even if they're good players. So if you really want to have a turnaround this season, like drafting whoever you're going to draft with this extra second round pick that you have now is probably not going to do, probably not going to do that much. Unless you're Brett Veach, unless you're Brett Veach and you just figure out how to get uh, starting cornerbacks in the seventh round. Okay. I thought you were going to talk about Sky Moore there. Um, So... And then, uh, and then every every bad pick that Veach makes, I'm just saying Pat told him to do it. Pat doesn't yeah. know what he's talking about because Pat told him that famous, very famously told him to draft and, Clyde. And I like that they're using 20 million in cap on DJ Moore rather than spending it in free agency. Like it's just a better use of sure. of spend. So that's why I like it there. But I don't think it's like necessarily some genius move by by polls. There was interest in the pick. There were multiple parties who who were after it. So. You know, that's the, he took the, he took what he thought was the best offer. It sounds like the Raiders were also into it, but they, but he wasn't going to get a player like he got for more. So in that case, I do think that's smart taking a pick. That's a couple of that's nine rather than seven. If you're going to get DJ Moore is definitely worth that Delta, even though there might be some people who are so rigid who will say, Oh, my blue chippers are done. Blue chip players will be gone by, you know, seven. So I won't do it. Uh, but that would be, so he didn't make that mistake, I guess. Well, I thought it was interesting, too. It sounded like there was no deal possible between them and the Texans, too, because the Texans don't have a single blue chipper. They have no good players. They have no no player that would be equivalent to, like, roughly what a first-rounder would do on the field for you. Un- yeah. un- really unbelievable historical bag fumble by the Houston Texans here. I mean, look at Chicago. Didn't they might even... end up getting the same guy they were going to draft anyway, though, I guess. 
But they they could have got all these picks. They could have generated all this extra surplus value, right? Well, they were gonna just they would just draft a quarterback though. So like they they're not the I Bears, guess that's right? True. Yeah. So yeah, that's I think that's been an overplayed angle. Like basically, the Bears got an extra second round pick. That that's what they got by getting number one versus getting number two. It like that's at least according to the Jimmy Johnson chart, it's about a second round pick's worth of value. Now, if other teams wanted the quarterback they think the Texans are going to take then yeah then then it would have hurt them even more but I I don't know it sounds like the most likely scenario now and again this is like very low confidence sort of thing but it sounds like the most likely scenario according to buzz and markets and however much you put into that is the Texans were going to want Bryce Young anyway and the Panthers are going to take CJ Stroud so it doesn't really make any difference from the Texans perspective if they would have been number 1 and taken Young anyway. Isn't that isn't that crazy though to do all that for CJ Stroud who most people are comping to like a Kirk Cousins level of guy, you know? Yeah, I think they've just I think they're thinking which this is not to our... say that that's who he is cuz I don't know shit. You know, I I'm, I'm not the, proclaiming the... I'm not proclaiming that I know. Well, presumably he's more athletic than Kirk Cousins. I don't know. Did he did he run or something like that? I mean, he's he he's did bigger he, than Kirk Cousins, right? So or, yeah. he's sort of interesting. He didn't run at all, like at all, yeah. until the last two games of his college career when his teams like absolutely needed to win some games. And he I I he had like a 40-yard run against Georgia or against TCU, I think. Like where it's just like, why didn't you just do this more? And that was what he said that in the draft, like uh, at the combine. He was like, Yeah, I wish I would have run more. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I guess Fields didn't run a ton um, also when he was in college, and now he's running more. So, yeah, I don't think Stroud is – like, I would probably still go young and just hope that – you know, we, we fluctuate a lot on this quarterback height question, right? It was like you can't take a short quarterback. Then we had Drew Brees and Russell Wilson are like Hall of Fame-level players. Some people question Wilson now, but I still think he, he'll he probably get in eventually. So then you had those guys, and then it was like height doesn't matter. You know, Baker Mayfield looks good as a rookie. Height doesn't matter. Kyler Murray looks good as a rookie. Height doesn't matter. And now Wilson's kind of fallen down. Baker's out of here. Murray's down. And now everyone's a little bit more concerned right now about height than they had been in the past. So I think it's interesting how that cycles up and down. Wasn't weight the bigger issue with Bryce Young, though? Like, like Kyler... Yeah is stocky baker baker is is pretty stocky um i don't remember i, I guess i don't remember enough about breeze and wilson though they don't well wilson wilson's definitely yeah he's bigger he's bigger too he's got, uh, breeze yeah. yeah i mean whatever they're a lot bigger than they're yeah they're all bigger than young so that'll be the question whether he gets knocked out or not um he takes some hits so we'll so see, all quarterbacks, we'll see. All, all quarterbacks take hits you know it's like it's uh it's a requisite of the position i mean my i would just if I was trading everything Carolina did, it would not be, it would be for Anthony Richardson. It would just be, if I'm going to take, if I'm going to take, if I'm going to uh, look into the mystery box, I, I want the biggest mystery box. You know, I want, I want, you know, an impressionist painting of what a quarterback should look like at, at to, to trade all that. And I know he really did not throw well. I mean, I watched a lot of those games. He was, it's actually kind of funny. You, you generate a relationship with these guys when you gamble on college games and when you mm-hmm. um, play like college football fantasy because Richardson would be sort of like um, like a Jameis Winston type of of DFS where it's like a lot of the games he's he's like really not going to do well, but obviously you know he's got that insane ability in him. And I, I this is maybe more of a chicken or the egg question of like, would you rather a quarterback who's got all the traits 
all the all the or all the accuracy, all the passing statistics, and you just hope that you can get him healthy, you keep him healthy for his entire rookie contract, or would you rather take the guy with all the all the traits but a lack of the skills and teach him the skills? I don't know. I mean, I know we have Josh Allen. Everyone's going to point to Josh Allen all the time, but there's not a lot of history of guys who are able to to get better. I mean, I've watched some of Richardson. I think he, if you watch him, if you just watch cutups of him, you come away feeling pretty good. And then, cause you can't like, this is like the whole point of looking at numbers versus watching film. Right. Cause then you go to the numbers and you're like, Oh wow. He really was missing more throws than I thought. Like there were just more incompletions than I actually thought. It's, it's hard when you're watching a game to, decipher what is a 68% completion percentage versus a 57% completion percentage, just watching the the film. Right. And that's, so how much do you trust that sort of thing for him? That's the problem is, but I do think he has some good traits. Like he doesn't take sacks when he's pressured, which is good. Uh, Levis takes a ton of sacks. So that would be the thing that would kind of disqualify. I mean, I'm not even putting mind. fucking Levis in this conversation. Like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. idea the idea that Levis is the project quarterback when Anthony Richardson is right there in the draft, like I'm just not having it. I just am absolutely not letting uh, the Josh Allen stuff be thrown at Will Levis when, when Anthony Richardson is right there. I mean, it's like, just if, really the accuracy. It's just really the accuracy. And I don't know, you have to be, you'd have to really work them out and like figure out a better way of finding it. One of my favorite things that I've seen recently, and I realize it's basically a troll account, obviously like Dan Orlovsky, um he posted this this is like perfect there's nothing better for film twitter than this he posted a a single throw of of anthony richardson where he's getting hit and he hits some guy like between the between the linebackers down the field and he's like i thought he was inaccurate or something he's like you're showing one throw what throw that'd be like showing a a highlight of a uh of a shooting guard in college who shoots like 22% from three. And then you, you show one clip of him making a three and you're like, I thought he couldn't shoot threes. You're like, well, how does that, how does that mean anything? It's just, Oh God, it kills me. I mean, Orlovsky, he's the best at, at getting people to like, he he's the best engagement. Yes, but when you have to internet. like look like an idiot, I, I realize you're getting engagement, like engagement at all costs. And he's kind of like plays the court jester a little bit sort of thing but he, I don't he know, does he's he, this i mean this is so far inside football but like the where when he posts the pictures of like the gross bland food he eats and then mina oh, yeah. times makes <laughs> yeah, something fun of him. this week about the fact that he doesn't of course he's lying there's no way that he actually doesn't wash a towel until he's taken 30 showers with it but that was something that he posted this week that everyone is jumping all over yeah i mean he want i don't know he's, engagement I, farming you he, know what he, can you do? He, he is peak engagement farming uh i i mean that's uh, which is which is a skill, you know, because because uh, Elon has us more than ever focused on our engagement numbers with the I with guess, the view count. You have to have no shame, like, don't you have any shame? I I don't. I mean, it might be a skill or not. I get way too upset about. Um, we talk about the draft here, so let's talk about we're talking about the draft generally. I was bitching to people at the combine about this, and everyone was kind of like, uh huh, uh huh, me. They didn't. They're not quite as passionate as I have about these sort of things, but like. Think about these these guys, these analysts, these draft analysts who are making predictions and stuff like that. Do they actually study predictions, like how to make a good prediction? Do they like read super no. forecasters or something no. like that? Which because no. and what super forecasters tells you, you know, Tetlock and I forget who the other guy is who who wrote that book. Is it tells you that 
Like people who are good at making predictions are good kind of across the spectrum, even if they don't have expertise. Experts are the worst at making predictions in these different areas because they overvalue their unique expertise. Like people who make good predictions, they know how to be intellectually curious, but yet humble. They know how to respect base rates and kind of build these things together. Like, wouldn't you think that a whole industry is based upon evaluating, ranking, and predicting what players are going to do? And yet none of these guys fucking studies how to make a prediction. They just have watched some film and have an opinion, an overstated opinion that comes out. But again, that's what they're incentivized to do though. So I, I kind of get it why they don't do it. Like no one wants to hear a lukewarm, probabilistic um, uh, evaluation of someone, but at least they should be willing to admit that they're not actually good at what they're purporting to do. But I don't think anyone would say that. No, they wouldn't say that because they would say they aren't making random predictions or, or doing forecasting or anything related to probability. They are football guys and they know what makes a good football player. They know what makes a good wide receiver. They know what makes a good running back. They know what makes a good whatever. You know, it's like they're not they're not viewing predicting who the best offensive tackle in the 2023 draft class is going to be is the same thing as predicting uh, you know, what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. They're, these are, these are, are uh, non-related things to them. But then yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, I think it also goes to like not understanding how, like the whole probabilistic thing versus a binary sort of thing. There are like for this Jalen Hurts, the Jalen Hurts pick, right? I was looking back and I, I was making fun of some people from the Bleeding Green, you know, blog who they were saying in there, Every single person knows to, to a man or woman uh, that was was saying in there, like there is no chance this can possibly work. And in those words, like in those exact words, like we cannot see any chance. So like that versus me saying, you know, I, I think this probably isn't a good pick in their minds. That's just like equally wrong, you know, that they don't think like, oh, like you shouldn't like that's really really wrong and that's not as wrong it's like the whole 538 30% trump chance of winning people are like you were wrong just as wrong as the person who said trump had a 1% chance of winning like people don't quite understand how those things are and again they're incentivized to be completely overconfident i mean i've read some past quarterback reviews by people who remain unnamed who would talk about Justin Herbert and be like, it won't work in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, it won't work in the NFL. Like you can't say it won't work in the NFL. Like that's a definitive statement that should just never be said about anybody. But people just see that as being just as wrong as ranking someone a little bit lower and having a realistic expectation. Yeah, I mean, although at a certain point, I probably like when I'm reading a scouting report or whatever, I probably want it in that language as opposed to fucking nerdy gambler language. Right. No like, shit. That's people. No, people are incentivized to do it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you people. That's what people want. So like when I, when a... I go to um the draft network, when I'm doing this stuff and I'm like, okay, I'm yeah. going to go read Jalen Hyatt's uh, prospect profile. I don't want them to be like, there's a 60% chance that he'll be decent on the outside, a 20% chance he could evolve into it. It's like, I don't want that. I want you to tell me what you think of this guy. You know, that's, that's all I want. So I, I don't, I don't even necessarily blame these people. No, I, I don't, I don't blame them. I think when it comes into play and when teams make mistakes is when it comes to things like trading up, right? Because then if your takes are too overconfident or, 
too pessimistic for certain players, then you're going to be much, much more certain that you should like trade up and do things like that. When it comes to positional value, not just respecting positional value, you'd say, well, well, yeah, but I'm so confident that this guard is going to be good, that it's okay that I'm taking him versus the wide receiver I know is going to stink, even though, you know, you know, it's like those sorts of things is when it becomes a problem. But I agree if you're reading something as a single analysis, I mean, it's not a mistake that the most well-known people, the people with the largest followings, like, I don't think you could be an NFL analyst and have more than a hundred ish thousand sort of followers on Twitter and be good and be a good NFL analyst. If you're not attached to fantasy football, if you're attached to fantasy football, you can still be good and have, you can have a larger following in fantasy football and be a good analyst than you can have in like real football and be a good analyst. What do you think about that take? How are you defining good? That would be, but that would be the parameter. I don't know. Like I respect your analysis, you know, like Evan Silva has a, oh, has so, a, so, so in this like world, Silva you are, or Levitan, you are the, like you are the arbiter, like, you are the arbiter. Of well, yeah, I mean, of course I'm the arbiter, not. but I think I'm right. Like I, all these things I'm talking about, like being good at making everything is a prediction. Okay. That's what we need to realize. We're all like making predictions all the time. When you give them, give me a quarterback ranking on ESPN first take, that's a prediction on who's going to be better in the future. I'm sorry. That's what people care about. You know, if you give me a ranking of teams in the NFL, who's the top 10 teams in the NFL, you're telling me if team three plays against team seven next week, team three is going to win. Like the, everything is a prediction. So I like people who seem to understand a little bit more about how to make good predictions than those that are just firing off takes. So I see the point at which you're driving at, but I disagree because even, so let's say for example, uh, Bucky Brooks, who works for the NFL Network, got into a big argument with him um, a couple of months ago, December-ish. Yeah, yeah, congratulations. Congrats to me. We're basically, yeah, where basically his point was the same old point. It's that, you know, you can do whatever you want in the regular season, throw the ball over the yard, win, you know, whatever. But if you want to yeah. win the Super Bowl, you got to get tough nose, which is it's like, so just like he's non-serious, right? He's just, yeah, you know, it is what it is. But like, I could probably learn something about predicting individual results of football games from him. There would be something he could teach me. There would be something I could take away from interacting with his content that would make me better at predicting the outcomes of football games, probably. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I guess I guess it would I just I put people more into a bucket of like they don't if I mean, I disagree. I guess I even disagree with people who I would say that I respect sometimes, but it's more of a difference in how something should be applied as opposed to like a full kind of like process is just broken sort of difference. Like this Bucky Brook take you're talking about, like this is not an evidence-based take. There's no evidence behind it. So like, I, I can't give any respect to that. In no, fact, it flies I mean, that, in the face of evidence, you know, yes, it's that, like that old age. Right, you know? yes. That argument he's making was stupid and and has no basis or whatever. But I was more meaning in the sense of like what football guys are talking about, which is 
Bucky broke. I don't know. Bucky but they don't the think about me. making predictions, though. Like I, I don't know what 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 position did Bucky Brooks play? I don't even know. Do you know? I want to say he was a defensive player. I want to say yeah, that's he what was... that's what I would guess. I would guess too. But maybe I'm just stereotyping people. But yeah, like if I wanted to know, yeah, he was like, a he was what's a what's what's back. a good hand technique for fucking press coverage or something like that? Yeah, fuck Bucky Brooks. You know, go go to town, buddy. I'm not well, questioning actually, that. But if you wanted to tell me like to predict like who's gonna who's gonna have more receiving yards in a particular game using your db skills i mean i i really don't think there's anything he could provide to me that would help so i was going similar but a little different i was like so you know this thing that's going all around the nfl now the the two eye safeties which should be banned yeah. and and should be illegal you know forcing average depth of target whatever we're figuring it further. out they're figuring it out your boy mahomes so, is figured it out. well yeah so i think Bucky Brooks, I could sit down with him and, and, and you know, okay, we're talking about Bills, Bengals, or uh, uh, Chiefs, Bengals, or whatever, AFC Conference Championship. And he could be like, so yeah, the safety's jobs are going to be to doing this. And this is what they're looking for on offense. And when Kelsey does this, Jesse Bates is going to do X, Y, or Z in a way that I would not have. And obviously, the the I think the big schism between football people and people who are are more like you or I is, that shit is window dressing. That shit is is so baked in to whatever number you're betting, whatever predictor you're making, and and yada yada and so on and so forth. Whereas they view that as the heart of what's happening. They view that that matchup as everything. Whereas we're like, you know, it's just it's just kind of Mahomes versus Burrow and and their ability to like not generate sacks and generate positive plays or whatever. No, I mean you could take something from it, but I think it's going to be very, very, very marginal as opposed to you're going to have to like reinterpret and translate what they're saying because they're going to say it as if this is it, like boom, this is what's going to happen based upon this analysis that I'm seeing between these two things. I remember um, last season. Remember when the the Dolphins went to San Francisco and just got like crushed basically, and Tua was not good. Uh, in that game, that was one of the first like hints of him being not good, despite the I mean, other than the fact that he was getting like knocked out every other week. Um, but I remember in that game afterwards, I was tr- I was making some point about like Tua's mistakes were so massive in that game in a value perspective that like if two plays go a different way, it doesn't look nearly as bad. And people were mad at me because they were like, you know, you're like taking agency away from the defense. And there were some people who were saying, well, guess what? Like the reason it happened is because this matchup was absolutely perfect for the 49ers. And you could, you knew that it was going to be this. I'm like, the, it was 49ers minus three points was the spread in this game. You're acting like everyone should have known beforehand it was going to be a total complete wipeout. See, that's my problem. Like they look at this piece of knowledge that they have and they so overinflate the importance of it because they don't have respect for just like the, the base rates of these types of situations. So yeah, it can help if you know how to use it. But I think more often than not, from the fans' perspective, hearing this sort of thing, someone who maybe doesn't know how to use it is going to, it's going to be a net negative because they're going to overweight what people are telling them because they're saying it with such degree of confidence and it's going to have such a huge impact. Well, I mean, that is just a, I mean, that is just true in all aspects of society, every sport or whatever is people don't, their 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 perceptions very rarely line up with like what the betting markets are telling them. Um, yeah, yeah. Like that that's just the that's just the thing in general. Yeah, but don't you think the betting markets are more based in reality than people's perceptions? So like, I'm trying to get people to be more like based in reality in their perceptions. I'm trying to take all fun out of this. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, I guess I guess more what I'm thinking is like, I don't know, do I really want to live in a world that is so governed by, uh, you know, betting markets? and They're not and governed whatnot? by betting markets. The betting markets are just actually looking at what's important and what's not. You know, it's not like the betting markets aren't like affecting the game. They're not like they don't set the line and then affect the game. They just actually know it's important. Now, the problem is it's boring. It's more boring, right? Like if I was going to say if I was going to be the ESPN quarterback ranker, let's say for the 2023 season. And every week I would come on there and give my top five quarterbacks. Like when I have Mahomes on there every single week, even if he's playing poorly as number one, that's not going to be exciting. That's not going to be exciting for, for people. Like no one wants to hear that, even if it's actually true. Yes. Uh, I remember uh, just while we're talking about bad predictions, I remember one of the NFL network analysts in like week 14 picking the Washington commanders to win the Super Bowl or something or like saying that was and I was just like I mean at a certain point like what are we what are we doing I mean there's nothing more annoying to me than than any sort of quantifying based on like toughness like tough like you know just being tough the commanders are really well tough. you know I'm, I'm getting into the old international soccer now and I know you're you're there I'm learning some new ones like I'm learning new confidence that's my new one I, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna bring that into the NFL I think now whether he or just not needs like, to, he like just needs to see ball goes in. in ball goes to the back of the net means confidence like your shots don't yeah, get you, blocked that you means just, you have you, confidence you know you need yeah. to see one go in he just needs to see one go in and yeah. then he's gonna be playing <laughs> exactly. better so I'm gonna say that about like 20 yard plus completions like oh he's just just playing with a lot of confidence right now that's what that's why he completed three in a row basically well I mean some people would say there you're it's like momentum something. kind of it's all it's all the momentum thing it's it's a similar sort of thing but i like seeing it i like what well, i like being a, watching soccer for a couple different reasons number one i don't follow that many people on twitter who talk about it so i can like not can generate your own opinions i can generate my own opinions not have results spoiled also because i'm constantly like watching things that have been dvr'd they're also very good about not telling you the score in other concurrent matches that are going on i appreciate i appreciate that too so that's number one and number two is yeah, like not thinking about it too analytically, at least initially, it's kind of fun too. Like it helps you, you know, you can get wrapped up in some of the narratives a little bit more. So I, I see the fun to it. I mean, there is there is a lot of analytic stuff on soccer out there, though. It's it's oh huge. yeah, you know, I'm not, I, I'm paying attention now. I'm starting to I'm starting to get into it. I may pivot. Unexpected have you read, goals eventually. Have you, have you read Ryan O'Hanlon's book? I have. He actually sent me a copy. So well, actually, I haven't read the whole thing. He sent me a copy. Yeah, yeah. He just, um, I just gave him a quote tweet today for telling people to to go and buy. It. So I'm about, I don't know, a quarter of the way through. I was already reading this other book on the on the Premier League. Jonathan Clegg and someone else wrote it. They've, um, they've been um, they've been on this program, Jonathan Clegg and Jonathan Robinson. Yeah. they've been they've this been on is this like twice. so. So I was already reading that, so I'm kind of like finishing that up and reading uh, Ryan's book concurrently. I was going to meet him at, at Sloan, but then he he got he got COVID, so he didn't go. Tough scene. You need to read um, "Inverting the Pyramid" by Jonathan Wilson. That would sort of be like the uh, the Bill Walsh book or whatever for for soccer nerds. I think that uh, I listen to the Double Pivot podcast. Have you listened to that? Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm listening I, to that. Soccer is infinitely not even close more entertaining and more engaging and more there's there's so much more at play than football because i kind of i was kind of feeling the same way i'm not, i'm not even joking about wanting to pivot i got to pivot my whole career over to soccer analyst eventually in in football and in basketball so much of it simply comes down to do you have the absolute best player do, do you have mahomes do you have yeah. Giannis? do you have lebron do you have michael jordan 
If you do, a lot of the other edges that there are to gain matter a whole lot less, right? When you, when you have Patrick Mahomes, you can kind of waste a first round pick here, you know, mess up this guy here and it just, everyone seems better by extension. And that's kind of true in soccer, but like Messi's team just got shit canned out of the champions league two nights ago. And he didn't really do anything, barely touched the ball. And, and, you know, it's like, it, 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 it's much more of a, I think this is true of any sport where you have to be both an offensive and a defensive player simultaneously. I think that's probably true. So I, I don't know a ton about hockey analytics, but I would guess that that's probably Yeah, I think hockey is probably well. the most similar to, to soccer. Uh, it's very different from, from football. I mean, like extremely different. There's a, it's like, it, it's, it's almost the opposite. I mean, you have long plays in football, but the fact there's so many commercials, number one versus no commercials, like continuous play, there's more continuous play, obviously when it comes to hockey or, or basketball than there is in football. So that's number one. Number two is like, it's almost like this marching down the field where soccer is like the complete opposite almost in a way Um where even basketball, like you get it to like, you're moving from side to side. Like there is some of that obviously in soccer, but it's so funny whenever there's a goal in soccer, it looks, sometimes it looks so unextraordinary, but that means you have to be paying attention all the time because you never know when it's going to happen. Whereas in football, it's like the red zone. You can build a whole channel off of just showing teams when they get in the red zone. Cause you know, like when those, when the, when in the points and times that you're going to actually get the scores are going to happen. It's, it's like, that's, what's weird to me that stats bomb and now PFF are like both have one foot in soccer and then, well, maybe more like toes in football when it comes to stats bomb. Cause I just see them as being such different sports. Yes. That, I mean, yeah, that's, it's true. Like the, um, I guess the thing also about soccer that makes it so great is the events are so rare. So when they happen, they feel really monumental, which obviously to the American audience, it's like, ugh, you know, Oh, it's a great mix. Like, like two, two matches home and away between each team relegation keeps yeah, relegation, the, relegation is is the coolest thing about soccer for sure. Yeah, I mean now you so like you have who wins, you have going to Europe, which so you have another tier, and then you have relegation, which means until like the last week or two of the season, it's like every single team theoretically is like has something important to go on in every single match almost. Yeah, I mean, I get, I I get way more enjoyment. I, the the no commercials really is honestly the best part of it. How like much just, betting are you doing on? On soccer, because I, I like, can you like, watch it without betting? Does it does it reach yes. that threshold? Yes. Okay. Probably the okay. probably the only sport on. I, I know I'm playing fantasy for all these games all the time. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like like betting on like player props and like outcomes of games, I'm doing that way less often than golf and football. Then I mean, isn't fantasy kind of sure. trash? Like, isn't it like a, a touchdown only league or something like that in the NFL? Oh, you get points for all kinds of stuff. You get. You oh, get really? Points. Yeah, yeah. Like I tackles, mean, you, you get points. <laughs> you get points tackles, or... interceptions, crosses, shots. Oh, get. wow. Okay. All and right. the, and they're, they're so rare as well, which uh, you would hate because it's an NFT based uh game, which is actually it's it's which is even more in depth. I mean, you get points for like uh you know a correct number of passes, like all like the the point scoring is is very very in depth and very. Uh, I think I think very related to the value that a guy gives on the field. It's it, it's pretty cool. Speaking of NFTs, I was I was commenting on your new backdrop here. So if you're listening to this, you can't quite see it here. 
And then you were trying to, are you, are you lying about reorienting your office? And this is actually the fact that you've lost so much money on apes and NFTs that now you've had to like downgrade your, your, your I living, wish, your I living wish situation I on apes. No, it's so, so my desk used to be facing this. I mean, viewers can't see this. My desk used to be yeah. facing this way, Okay, but I was so close to the wall. So I moved yeah. my desk around, which is yeah. uh, not to say that I'm not in the basement of my home because I am in the basement of my home. I I, yeah. I sold a good amount of NFTs at the bull run and bought a house, but I didn't sell enough NFTs during the bull runs to buy a really, really nice house. Well, shit, you're doing, you're doing better than most people, I have to say here. You got, you got some fire um, SVB uh, takes or anything oh, else that you want to get yes. out there? Yes, th this, is, this is a great, we can, this can be our last topic, then we can get out of here. So interesting to me, actually, that... Um, you, you can see people's ideologies change so fast, obviously from your, your free market bros, you can't, you can't, you can't bail out student loans. You can't yada, yada. And then obviously the second, the threat of a bank run happens, everyone changes their tune. Um, my take would be obviously Biden and the fed had to not allow a bank run to happen. Like, obviously you can't let that happen. That's like a depression level event, but it is inherently incredibly unfair because these people know this right these 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 fucking tech bros know that there's no risk right it's 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 socialism for the rich and it's capitalism for the poor because if there was a bank run that just impacted you know if uh the bank in my town whatever you know first national whatever uh that doesn't have any venture funds just runs out of money like those people are just getting screwed if they if, if they're not within the fdic limits or whatever yeah, you know, I was looking back, I was trying to find find like an analogy. Um, during the housing crash, do you remember IndyMac was one of the first ones to go down and depositors actually lost half of their money. I was I was surprised. I, I thought it was going to be lower. So I wasn't even sure how much of a horror, historical precedent there was for that happening. Um, so I have a couple of different takes here. Number one, it's been a great example of how Twitter like kind of ruins the reputation of everybody okay <laughs> including these guys like these guys just embarrass themselves on twitter sure. big time you know um like journalists constantly embarrass themselves on twitter like just oh, just yeah. shut up just shut up people you know like i don't like you, you're you're embarrassing yourself so like they embarrass a lot of these like the whole tech industry gets a bit like everyone has a bad name because there's but, like but the socialists also embarrass themselves because they don't understand what a fucking bank does which is also it's <laughs> which is it, also it's embarrassing yeah. when calcanis or was that you say his name is like is like bitching up a storm like stop embarrassing it just like for once in your life just shut the fuck up okay so that that's number one like embarrassing Number two, I mean, I have some sympathy for the fact that like depositors, though, when we talk about being bailed out, like, I mean, equity gets wiped out. Any sort of like debt that's non-deposit related debt can get wiped out. I do think depositors and maybe just say like companies should be more sophisticated and know these sorts of things. So I'll give you that. But like depositors don't really think of themselves as being creditors, you know. Do we want depositors to have no? But to that's do that's a credit of, analysis. That is a lack of of financial literacy, though. They're, they're, no, they're, I agree, but I'm just saying it's kind of true, though, right? Like I don't this think is people why, think this of is why banks being, are this is why banks and the whole system is is criminal, dude. It's because because you're you're not educated and you're not really given any other options. No, I get it, but you're you're comparing it to student loans. And anyway, I, I I don't have a student loan take, but I'm just saying, like, if you borrow money for a student loan, you kind of get the fact that 
that you have to pay it back, right? Like you're not, no one's at, like, but whereas right, if you're giving sure. your money to a bank, I don't know if you do get the fact that you are now a creditor for this bank. That bank is in debt to you. And like, technically, if you're over the FDIC limit, you know, you should be doing some sort of credit analysis on the bank to figure out whether or not your money is safe. Like, I don't know if we, like, no one is really thinking in that sort of way. So, you know, you want to blame whatever regulation, this and that. I mean, I do think there is some sort of like assumption that you're not going to lose money you put as a deposit into the bank. And I get why it's a somewhat, I mean, I have all this money at like Schwab, but you know, there's different rules when it comes to securities being held and this and that. And the Schwab is pretty boring for everything they do. But who knows? What, I mean, who knows what the fuck could happen to these different institutions? So maybe I'm a little bit more sympathetic in that sort of way. And, you know, for this particular bank, they could have done a better job, obviously, with risk management, but it would have caused them to not have to grow as quickly when you're taking in shit tons and, of money. And, because And, and you got to grow. You got to grow. Because grow interest is, rates are at one. zero and the money creation is just flying everywhere in this industry. Well, we have wind, like a wind bubble. Horse, wind horse meme. Why are the interest <laughs> rates like that? Yeah. No, but I'm just saying like the, the, I mean, in spending it, like it's part of the, part of the government. It was like trying to reflate things. Right. And they don't really know where the money's going to go, but they're trying to reflate things. And it happened to be tech where all this money just flew into it all of a sudden. So it's going to cause distortions. Now, Again, you could use this, you could you could just play the blame game for everyone everywhere and no, nothing is ever anyone's fault. But I do think even the government might have no, some it's the, additional it's, responsibility here because of because of causing it, a lot of this the, bubble in the first place. It is the government's fault. It's, I yeah. don't, it's well, you can still guy. be responsible, even like if you're if, if you're in that industry. It's like an oil, like this happened in oil a long time ago where I don't know if you want to say it's the government, it was probably less the government's fault, but there's a lot of stuff going on. Like all these oil banks all went bust in Texas and other places back in like, you know, the 90s or whenever it was happening going on. And now they all have more diversified portfolios ever since because they all got fucked, basically. So like you could still be smart and it been more diversified if you were this bank. Um, It's nuanced. You know, I'm a man of yeah, nuance. Yeah, it, it nuance. is. So like. I, I mean, I'm less interested in the specific financial uh, circumstances of silicon valley bank because like who cares you know it was the 20th largest <laughs> bank it was the 20th largest bank like at, at the end of the day i'm more interested in the philosophical question of like should these people get bailed out should the fed step in and and honestly more interested like how moral is it to have the government be in charge of money in general well, we are which... talking about depositors only though so i think that's like i think that that's obviously different than like equity or any sort of other i i my event, my stance... holders my stance would be that if the government is going to take the um take the initiative to control the entire monetary supply, they gotta they gotta make people whole in these circumstances. That would be that would be my take. I didn't really I don't really see any other option. But you know what's more interesting if you're a, a conspiracy minded bro, which is funny because we were just talking about how stupid conspiracy theories are on this whole cast and how the right the the right and the anti-woke people have actually ruined conspiracy theories but you know the the federal reserve has been talking about these central bank digital currencies for a while and and basically mm -hmm. so basically just making it so they can track everything you do well they're not going to need it if other banks fail and all that's left is chase 
and and I don't even know what are what are the biggest. I chase is my bank, so that's bank the one. of America. Bank of yeah. America. Yeah, if there are four big banks, no need for a central bank digital currency. They'll just strike up some deal with all these banks where they can monitor all your shit. Yeah, see, now now you're going in a direction that I'm, that I'm not necessarily. I guess. Okay, so here's here's another thing that this this would come generally for for a lot of social media takes and other things like that. Like I generally believe that any group of people beyond like not individuals, like individuals can be sociopaths, can be psychopaths, can be whatever. Uh, but like any group of people, if you believe they're only doing something for some nefarious sort of reason, it's impossible. Too much coordination. You you just don't understand them. Like you just don't understand. You don't understand them. Not to say anything's right. Not to say people don't do things that are extremely harmful. No, but most people, most groups of people specifically, think they're doing the right thing. Think they're doing the thing. Yes. The greater good. Yeah. That's my my life. That's what I'm saying. You don't understand them if you think that like. So I do think some of these conspiracy theories, when it comes to the banking system, and you know they want to like take us over and turn us into you know uh, strip us of testosterone and do whatever the hell these people think they're all going to do and turn us into. Hey, they want uh, you to eat whatever. the fucking bugs, Kevin. The, the, the world economic. <laughs> you know, plastics and eat the fake meat and you know become uh, don't eat uh, tell me you don't eat the fake meat tell me you don't eat the fake meat (laughs) i don't eat the fake meat just because i just don't like it um it kind of makes me a little gassy um so but anyway i'm just saying like i don't think that's how it works i think people are generally trying to be good it's just when you give people power they're going to lean in certain directions which benefits them a little bit more or people like them or those they can empathize with a little bit better. And that's just what ends up happening. Like, just look at incentives. That's what I always say. Look at incentives. Like people are not stronger than incentives. That's bad, right? That's bad. I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, uh, it's bad. I'm not, I know. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's bad. But when we're talking about like digital currency stuff, I do think it goes a little bit further. Like they want to control us. You know, I don't know if they want to No, they, that, but they don't want to control it. They don't want to control the money because they, they think they want to subjugate people. They want to control money because they can think about all the good they could do. If, uh, you know, they, the Keynesian of which I used to consider myself for a long time, uh, a more Keynesian aligned person. Um, I mean, this, the central lie of, Keynesianism is is basically that um, you you want to discourage people from saving, which seems bad, right? It's like you you, yeah. you, you want you want spending in perpetuity, which would which would basically uh, I mean this is very this is extremely conspiracy bro, and I acknowledge that this is and this right, is from and I don't let him, let I don't him even, fire let him fire let him fire I don't I even really know if I believe this you know this speaking of sociopaths there's no group of people more sociopathic on the internet the fucking bitcoin people which is it's I, which is so sad because i love bitcoin so much but the bitcoin people on twitter are some of the I thought worst it was people. all about brotherhood and you know no, we're, no. We're all... I, I cannot i cannot co-sign on these people at all these i mean these people have, have truly nothing in common but it would the, the the true fear which sounds insane but this is like on record in papers published by the federal reserve that Central bank digital currencies would allow savings accounts to be negative interest, which would mean you would truly be penalized for you. You would lose money, not even versus inflation. You would just lose money long term out of your savings account for not spending it, which is bad. No, 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 I agree. But I think it I think it, it does. This is what we're talking about. Zero interest rates. We're talking about these bond buying programs. We're talking about all this sorts of stuff. And it's like there are people who I really respect a lot. Um you know, like Joe, you know, Joe Weisenthal, right? You know, he's a guy like, I, I think he's a really, really sharp dude. 
um, is a Bloomberg columnist, and he's like more kind of pro-Fed and all these sorts of things. Like, I do think in their minds, even when we come to a negative interest rate, and in their minds are like, if we just control things the correct way, we'll yes. get the best outcome. The yes. problem what, is what you're it keeps going and it keeps true. going and it keeps going. And eventually you end up in a worse situation. And when it all falls apart, which everything eventually falls apart. So I'm not saying like, I'm not saying, you know, go get a bunker tomorrow or something like that. But I'm saying but we are making things pro progressively worse. We're, we're making things progressively worse. We are making things progressively worse. And I and like the whole thing of, well, why should we have a recession if we can just pump things back up again? I mean, I get it short-termism. It does make sense. And you could say, well, then we lower it and then we adjust it and then we do whatever. But the problem is no one's really smart enough to be able to do that. And no one is actually altruistic enough to be able to do that. And all is really smart enough though to be able to really do it. And, they, and there's like not an acceptance of that. But I do think people are thinking, hey, sometimes we might need to force people to spend and everyone will be better for it in the end is the thought. Which is actually... The same problem with the alt. I mean, so we just described a really left wing, a really Keynesian way of thinking about how the economy works. Yeah. But but they actually have the same problem as really right wing ways to think about how the economy works, which is that, oh well, if you just let everyone act in their own self interest, it's fine. We'll reach an equilibrium. It'll all it'll all be cool. Uh, which is just to deny human nature in the same way. Which is that no people would resource hoard. The rich would super exploit the poor. There would be no recourse for the poor to you know upwardly mobilize. It would just be a huge nightmare as well um so i don't i don't i mean i, I have I, no good answers honestly yeah, yeah. I, have, I have no good answers because kevin this is I not mean, a like show everyone of this is not okay, a show any of any any like upper middle class white man like myself is my background like if you haven't at least dabbled fairly heavily in libertarianism then there's something wrong with you because you have to at least like approach it at some, at some point in time so i have and i do think like if you take no practical implications, there is like a fundamental kind of understanding that like, oh, like this is how things should be. You have property rights and then, 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 you know, incentives oh, put you in these directions. And nothing, nothing will make me roll my, <laughs> my eyes to the back of my fucking skull. Like property. Well, well, anyway, you, I'm you... just saying, but then it doesn't quite work. But the problem is once you start to layer in, well, then we need to regulate this and we need to regulate that. Like, when does it stop? You know, it's like this whole thing of, like nowadays you have this thing where any when anything goes wrong any any bad thing you have like capitalism um i don't know fucking white supremacy and uh patriarchy or something you can just like automatically slide every bad thing into one of those three things and it's like you think bad things don't happen when you don't have capitalism like yeah we're in a capitalist society so therefore every bad thing is because of capitalism that also doesn't quite make sense like i'm just not sure there's anything else better out there so then it's trying to find this middle way which becomes very very difficult to figure out what that is yeah, you got to read this book. I mean, I tell this, I tell, I, I have a libertarian buddy who comes on this show once every couple of months, Brian Hooper, big, big DFS player. He He's all about the property rights and the, the free will of man. Oh, I'm this, sure he is. Mises. My, my all, taxes, all this, my money. Yeah, They're taking yeah, my all, money. All this shit. Yeah. I, and and, yeah. and, and I, I, won't, I, I won't deny that uh, Brian is smarter than me and, and makes many good points. But um, I've told him and I tell everyone to who, who's listened to the show, you got to read Radical Markets, like Glenn Wheel, it is basically, we have all these tools now, we have all this math, we have all this computing, we have apps on our phones, we have blockchain stuff. We have ways to rethink economics in a way that we never could have 
100 years ago, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years. We, we have a way to try and generate fairness in a way that we never could before. It is a, and again, I mean, obviously this shit has not been tested in communities or anything. So who knows? Mm -hmm. There's going to be all sorts of, of um, what is the the Donald Rumsfeld? You know, we don't know what we don't know. The unknowns, type, unknowns. Type. Yeah. Yeah. The Rumsfeld. unknowns, unknowns. He's a philosopher. Right? Yes. So, so there's all kinds of that, but it is, it's like 150 pages. It's the off season. Everyone should read this book. We we did a podcast on this book with with Patrick Laird of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's it's back like 200 episodes. You can go listen to it. It is, it's yeah, it's fascinating. I don't know, man. I don't know. I guess I, I mean I, I could I could look at it, but again, it just seems like the 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 more smart you think you are, or the higher ability you think you are, it does. I don't know. It's just it's just really difficult. It's just a difficult the, the, thing. It's it's the it's the black mirror problem, right? Like whatever whatever solution you think you have, the tails like the more all right, even more so the more intricate the solution, the more intricate the problems will be and the harder they will be to solve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think yeah, whatever. I again, I, I don't have a good solution. I I just think it's like a generally good idea to lean towards to lean more towards like whatever the more free market libertarian answer is for things without going like balls to the wall extreme basically like i guess that would just be my inclination my inclination would always be okay like what like let me figure out why the, the 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 more free market way doesn't work first before ruling it out as opposed to having to rule out intervention in one way or another as being the the default that's what i that's what i would say it's like it's like this whole free speech debate like everyone's talking about free speech all the time this and that. like i would just always be leaning towards allowing speech more so than not as the default in my my like view of everything and then of course not falling into absolutism necessarily but just having that should always be your default is to lean in that direction you you'd have a better outcomes i think now nah, ban everyone i don't like Ban everyone, ban, ban everyone, ban everyone who ranks Will Levis. Oh my God, like the hypocrisy and all these free speech discussions is just the fucking worst of all time, you know, but what are you going to do? That's why, that's why you have to argue in bad faith, as, as our friend Danny Carter would always say. You just got to well, yeah, argue there's a, in yeah, bad yeah. faith. I always think it's, well, that's another thing that's, that's always funny to me. When people, of course, I mostly follow liberal people, of course, just like you do. You know, I mostly whatever. We're 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 the elites. You know, we're 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 part of that. that I, group. I used to follow so many Bitcoin bros that I do get. I get I get whatever the crazy right wing thing of the day is does bleed through to me because the Bitcoin people have become. It did not always used to be this way, but I do get whatever the crazy right wing shit is on my timeline as a result. Yeah, but this whole philosophy of like. Man, we're losing to these guys because they're dirty handed. They do all these dirty handed tricks and they're bad people who do bad things. And then it's like, well, we should be doing that. Like that's like the people's philosophy. It's like you're differentiating yourself from these evil people because they do these evil things. And you're like, you know what? We need to be more evil so we can win more. It, that doesn't quite like bullying for good. There's also this idea of like we should bully people for good. If it's a good reason, we should bully people. We should be like. This person has caused me harm. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to fucking bully the shit out of them. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? I don't know. Like all, all this stuff I, I I do I do not understand. You're just getting manipulated by the media, man. The media <laughs> wants you to hate each other to distract you from what's really going on, you know? 
Uh, I don't know. Don't don't get me started on anything. I, I'm glad that things I feel like I, I can't do any of these things on social media. Like I just have to mute people that, that annoy me too much. But I do feel like we are getting a little bit more, even though this is hard to say because everything is like insane all the time. I do feel like we 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 pulled back a little bit from the like 2020 real like holy shit like I don't know if I like we're not gonna be able to have a discussion about anything anymore sort of thing. I think we're getting a little bit better there, but I'm not that hopeful. I guess I'm not that hopeful because I think, and maybe this is uh, an echo chamber type thing. It just feels to me like most people I know are just tuned out. They're just so depressed by it all. Like Trump huge fucking nightmare just like awful was terrible to live in the country everyone was laughing at us and then biden is i mean maybe he and his team mean well but just you know gaff after gaff and like not instituting real liberal policies and like we're wiping away student loan debt but not really and we're letting all these people for we defenses out of jail but not really you know and it's like it's like so you just feel you sort of just feel honestly me as a pretty super far left-leaning person, although people who listen to this show have been telling me they think I'm drifting more to the other side, which I think yes. is actually just, I think it's That's actually just a display of cynicism, actually. I don't actually feel, I feel no sympathy. I feel, I, I don't, uh, I don't listen to this Ron This is your heel turn. Talk. I like it. No, no, I feel, I just feel very cynical about American governance, really. Is, I is guess, but let's, I let's think about, okay, let's think about, let's think about Trump, for a second here. I know this is not going to be a great thought exercise, but here's how I try to approach things a little bit more. So it's like you can control your kind of sphere of influence, but in some ways, like what has Trump done that has changed, really changed my life or anything that I have any control over? Um, and you could say this: the biggest thing that he had done is the Supreme Court justices, right? Because other than that, it's all kind of normal Republican bullshit, you know, or Democrat bullshit. Yeah, it's but all, the, it's the all... Supreme Court justices thing is huge, and it's not. No, just... no, I agree. I agree, it's huge. I agree too. But listen, I'm in Maryland. Doesn't really affect me that much for whatever's going on. It's like we're not all up in arms about like what's happening in fucking Mexico or something, but we're un up in arms about what might be happening in some other state in this country because we feel this whatever, but we have no agency over. I mean, maybe you think yelling and being upset on social media is like activism or something, but I don't think it does anything. I, I think people like are need to detach a little bit more from these things and they, and they everyone would feel better. Well, what someone would tell you would be is that you are in a pretty comfortable position to be able to argue that, but there actually were. So lots are they? Of people. I bet they are. I bet the same person is in the same position. You know, but, but what am I supposed to do? Tweet about it? What is that? What the fuck is that going to do? Well, that was, which is where the cynicism be upset. Comes in. Have a have a mental health crisis? Is that going right. to help the world? You know, that's like... where that's where the cynicism comes in, where you just feel helpless, right? Like you're uh, you're the person you're voted for, the people you're voting for are not doing anything they're not doing what you want they're not doing what you voted for and it just feels hopeless and helpless that 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 yeah, would be yeah the... but i know that's just like the that's just your state of things though you know like you can still go outside and like ha go about your day you know i i don't know i feel like this you know there's too much in, people are so enraged like people want they don't want to be enraged i don't no one wants to be enraged but it's addictive right it's addictive we're addicted to it in a way and that's why People are like think everything is so bad now is because we're getting like like we know we know the worst about everyone. Everyone knows everyone else's worst moment way better than we know their best moment because that's just what is 
is focused on all the time. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say detached from it. True. Pretend like you're not even an American citizen and you're just living here in this in this country. Like, take that sort of attitude. Well, that would towards, probably be a pretty scary because our our immigration laws have gotten all fucked up. So that would probably whatever. be scary. Okay, whatever. You have you, you have citizen. Forget the immigration. I'm not saying literally like deport yourself. I'm just saying have that sort. Have a little bit more of that sort of attitude because. You know, certain people are built for this as far as when it comes to the activist life and wanting to dedicate themselves to some, something, this and that. But not all of us are and not all of us should be. You know? I'm not. Not... I like my I like my creature comforts too much, yeah. which is uh, a weak point uh, of, of being a, a human. But, you know, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even think it's a weak point. I think it's just like you can be a better person. Like you can be a better person to yourself, better person to your family, better person to your friends if you're not as like caught up in a bunch of things you can't control, you know? So I don't know. That that That's my take. That's my that, that that's my uh, that's my advice, I guess. Very, uh, very, very uh, stoic, stoic of you. <laughs> <laughs> love love that stuff you read you read meditations you read marcus no, Aurelius. I read, I read it. no i mean I, I don't i don't i don't i don't read that much i don't i'm gonna read about soccer now yeah we only read net gains all right so unexpected points um i mean pretty soon we're gonna you're 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 gonna be turning into your own uh you're gonna be <laughs> activating your own activism in order to to fight all the woke bullshit out there i need you're, i need to yeah i need to start up uh uh like an anonymous account to to do all this stuff but i'd like i'd like fuck it up and i'd accidentally tweet stuff out of my normal account so i can't add kevin durant the whole thing yeah see like what we were just talking about the the engagement farming if you engagement farm on either extreme end of the political spectrum i i feel like it's got to be the easiest job on earth i think we talked about this yeah no no the best okay this is the number one way to success is find some congressional district that one party has no chance of winning somehow run in that district who's a hated person is a hated person who's a, who's going to win and then start tweeting out stuff that the other side will dunk on you about and boom all of a sudden you'll have all these followers and you'll be like on whatever news program that's gone and boom you're you're in all right we solved it uh tell people what they can get over the next couple weeks if they subscribe to unexpected points yeah yeah um Nothing that they heard on this podcast. Yeah, nothing, nothing there. Lots of nerds. <laughs> pretty much. Only. But just so you know, that's behind the curtain. Maybe I'll start talking about that a little bit more when I do my own uh, solo pods. I'll start getting into some stick to sports subjects. Um, yeah, so free agency, obviously. I track the points gained by team based upon all their different moves. I'm going to I'm going to do some free agency grades. I'm going to get into the grading business, but then try to use like a quantifiable method of doing it rather than like everyone gets a a B on every transaction. So that'll come out. And then the draft is going to happen. And then fantasy football wise, you know, running backs, wide receivers, like a pre-draft post-draft model. Those are coming out. I'm also getting a bunch of data from grinding the mocks is the name of the website. This guy, Benjamin Robson collects yeah, all the different good, mocks. Good website. If you're mock draft data. Draft. So I'm doing like consensus mock information slash trying to, trying to, I'm trying to, trying to like gather some old data from him too, to try to do a little bit more predictive stuff on where players will go in the draft. All right, there we go, everyone. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm pretty sure we're going to have a pretty cool special guest next week. So uh, stay tuned. Not me. Stay, not stay, me. Not, <laughs> much, not cooler. much cooler. Much cooler. Much me. cooler. Much cooler. Probably, uh, uh, yeah, much, much cooler than Kevin. Uh, so hope you guys, hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, we'll be back next week. 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.